0: I love my church. It is incredibly true. I love my church. And not in some weird way, but I love you. We love what God is doing in us and through us. My family is here because we want to be here. My family is at Southwest Baptist Church, not because it's my job. But because I want to be here, my family wants to be here. There's people that come here on Friday nights for a couple of hours that set up the chairs and set up the different classes and the stage and all the other things. They're there, I've been watching them because they want to be here. And there's people that arrive early on Sunday mornings and stay late and that they're here because they want to be here, and God is working in their lives. There's all places we go we really don't want to go. Some of you go to the hospital, and you don't work there. Even those that you do work there, you don't really want to be at the hospital. I know we go and visit the dentist. I don't know about you, but I don't particularly say, "Oh, I can't wait to go back there. Even though Amani is my dentist, and she comes to church here, and she's tremendous, I don't particularly enjoy seeing her at the dentist's office because she gives me that lecture like, have you been flossing? There's other places like Centrelink. Centrelink. I doubt that any of you have gone to Centrelink and then come out of Centrelink at the end and going, I just felt so welcome this time. I just can't wait to go back. In fact, I'm going to go back next week. I cannot wait to go back, and I'm going to go make some friends at Centrelink. We're here because we want to be here. And I believe that we're here because God has unified our purpose together. In the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse number 3, the prophet Amos says this, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Do two walk together? Do two go down a pathway in a particular way unless they actually are unified together? And the same thing for us as a local church. God is doing absolutely incredible things in us as individuals and corporately together as a church body. God is doing things far bigger and greater than what we can do on our own. There's absolutely no way you can do by yourself the things that God can accomplish together with us. We have a unity in purpose. So as we begin this series of talking about I love my church, I want you to begin reviewing in your mind, and this is a positive reviewing, okay? Not the things that you don't like, but the things that you love about your church. And I propose to you there's some things that are on the list of things that you love about our local church that are probably very little to do with facilities. Maybe you're here because of the coffee, but I doubt it. You're probably here because of relationships. You're here because you want to hear from and learn from the Word of God. Maybe you are discovering truth and you find that doing it together in, with others and developing and growing in relationship with others, you begin to grow in your relationship with God. There's many other reasons that are real positive reasons why we should be unified together. I performed a ceremony yesterday of, of a wedding. And you know it's incredible? And you probably the same way with your wedding. You don't want that to be... The end. And certainly, you don't want that to be the peak of your love relationship with one another, do you? You want your wedding day to be just the beginning. I think that I know you. I think that I love you. But I don't want this to be the mountaintop experience of our love for one another. I want this just to be the very beginning. And you know, I'm waiting for some spouses to grab each other's hand and go, yes, that's us. And my wife's upstairs um, with your kids right now. Otherwise, I'd be looking at her and going, yes, it's just the beginning. Because that's exactly what we want. We want this just to be the beginning of our relationship with, with our spouse. The same thing with our local church. I don't want to peak in our local church and say, this is it, it's the wedding day, it's the beginning, it's the reception, this is, the, this is actually the, the peak of our church. I believe this is just the beginning of what God can do in us and through us together. Last week I brought out a statement that I'm going to be building upon over the next several weeks, and it's this concept, if you don't go deep, you can't go high. And I believe that we build our foundation of our local church, Southwest Baptist Church, into a deep foundation based upon the word of God and what God says a local church should look like, Then I believe he will bless us, he will do that what only he can do, and we will go high for the, and do the things that God wants us to do. And this is far different from a strategy of corporate strategy and corporate growth. This is spiritual strategy for God's growth because I believe we will go as high as God wants us to go when we go as deep as God desires us to go. In Ephesians chapter number 3, verses 20 and 21. This passage here talks about some power that we possess. And it says this, "Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The middle part that I underlined there, it says, according to the power at work within us. We as a local church have been incredibly blessed. God has opened up some absolutely tremendous opportunities for us. Last week, we collected the commitment cards for our faith promise commitments for the next 12 months. And I believe that by simply asking God, God, what do you want me to do in the scope of world missions over the next 12 months? That God answers those prayers and he places a financial figure on our hearts that only he does. It's not by twisting your arms or manipulating or, or twisting. It's simply saying, God, what do you want me to do? We take the collection of the cards, and we had a couple others come in later on in the week, so we have a, a higher figure than we announced last week. But we as a church promise to give to World Missions over and above our giving $56,279 over the next 12 months for World Missions. And I want you... Because I think that God is going to do incredible things through us by simply saying, God, what part do you want me to have? A little side note, if you are yet to make a commitment, yet to hand it in, it's not too late. The reason why we ask for a commitment when we like to see a figure is that way we can budget. And that way we know by faith we'll step out and we will, as a church, bless other missions projects knowing that people will be behind us. So if you're yet to give a commitment, you can fill out the card. It's on the the welcome table out there and place it in the offering bags at the end of the service. And we'll add that to the figure and to our budget. And every single week, and this week included, people are giving online or through through the offering bags there, over and above their giving, so that people that we probably will never meet here on earth can come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I believe, as a local church, when we do what God has called us to do, we will be blessed by him. With that, God has opened up an opportunity for us to meet at the Bunbury Baptist College. I, I must say, I had one of the weirdest conversations I've ever had with a person. I met one of the directors of the Baptist School Network, and he met me. And within a few minutes of our conversation, he said, Michael, what do I need to do to get your church into the school here? And so I thought to myself, I'll just start listing off some of the things that we need as a local church. I won't be mean about it or they're trying to, to twist them. So I th- started talking about our availability of the facilities and movement and, and other things that we needed. And he goes, Oh, absolutely, we can do that, we can do this, we can do this. And absolutely everything that I brought out as a need we had, they said, oh yeah, well we already thought of that. Yeah, no problem, there. we can do this. And God is opening up doors for us as a local church to reach our community for Christ. A little side note, that doesn't mean that we're not partnering with other schools. It just means that they are providing us a meeting location that's going to open up many opportunities for us as a local church. And I must admit that this has kept me awake for over a month when we had the very first meeting up until about now at night, thinking about God, what is this responsibility that you have for our church that you've opened up to us? It's an incredible privilege to be asked by a, a, anybody to come into their facilities and use their facilities, but the real key is we're to use their facilities for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with our community. That is what, why we're going to be moving in February. As Dwayne mentioned earlier, there's opportunities to serve. Uh, we're going to be raising some money um, to purchase chairs uh, because we want comfy chairs. Uh, We'll be be working through painting facilities and setting things up, getting stages changed and classrooms changed up, ready for us to meet in there. Guess what? We have a permanent meeting location, so we won't have to, in a sense, set up on Fridays. Our kids' ministry upstairs is going to have their own classrooms that they're going to be able to have permanently set up at least until the school grows, which helps us pray a little bit differently. Like, do we pray the school grows or just maintains? But we, we hope they grow. But they're gonna be, they've offered us a classroom facility. There's a youth room that they're going to be able to paint and set up however they see fit, within reason, and they have permanently set up for their own youth room. There's some tremendous opportunities that God has for us, and I believe is a real key, is that God didn't bless us to remain where we always were. I believe he blesses us to open us up opportunities to step forward for him. Be perfectly honest. I have no idea what God has for us as a local church in the future. But what I do know is that we can go back to the word of God and go back to a deep foundation of what we should build our, our lives upon as a local church we're going to go through and look at a little bit of theology here. And it's a theology called ecclesiology. So if you say that word, it makes you sound really smart, but it simply means the study of and the function of the church. And with ecclesiology, uh, I went and looked at a theology book by a man named John MacArthur, and he wrote a book called Biblical Doctrine. And he wrote this and described the local church this way. The church exists, to glorify God by actively building its members up in the faith, faithfully teaching the word, regularly observing the ordinances. That Ordinances is communion, which we did today, and baptism. Proactively fostering fellowship among believers and boldly communicating the truth of the gospel to the lost. We've broken this up into three different areas that we're going to look at very quickly this morning to set a foundation, a biblical foundation for our local church, because we love our church. The three purposes are to glorify God, to build up believers, and to reach the lost. That's what we're going to look at through this morning. And by no means is this going to be an exhaustive study, but what we're going to try to do is make this really practical. What does it look like? to glorify God for for our church? What does it look like to build up believers? What does it look like to go out and reach the lost? So let's begin. Because I believe that, first of all, we need some balance here. I'll give you an example. If we as a church only focused upon glorifying God, which sounds tremendous, but we failed to build up and train up uh, the believers, and we fail to go out and reach the lost, what are we? We actually become incredibly out of balance. Or what if we simply focused upon building up the body of Christ, the believers that are in, in part of the local church? We fail to glorify God because glorifying God is really the, the overflow and we fail to look outwardly to reach the lost, what do we become? Incredibly inwardly focused. So I believe the local church must be balanced. And we must begin with our focus being glorifying God. So that's our first point this morning. The purpose of the local church, or I could say quite literally, the purpose of Southwest Baptist Church is to glorify God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20, it says, "Or do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you are bought with a price." So because we are bought with a price, what? It says glorify God in your body. The passage continues on in a few chapters later in chapter number 10 in 1 Corinthians and says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So therefore, when you go home for lunch today and you're eating, You can say, I'm doing this for God's glory. In fact, I love God so much, I'm going to have seconds. But what it's talking about there is every aspect of your life is ultimately to glorify God. It's not like you say, well, I'm glorifying God, but on Sunday mornings, and I'll even show up early at 9.45 until about 11.30, and then after that is the rest of my life. We don't put it in little boxes. In every aspect of our life, in every aspect of our church life, it's ultimately to glorify God, even in the seemingly mundane practical things of church ministry. Because glorifying God is ultimately God-centered, not us-centered. It's through Jesus Christ. And the only way to give God the glory that he deserves is to do that through Jesus Christ. In Exodus chapter number 34, God is called a jealous God. Now, this is not God being a selfish little child saying, that's mine, I'm not sharing with you. What he's saying here is that I, as God, deserves all the glory, all the praise, and I'm not willing to share the glory and praise with something that is not me and is not worthy of the glory and the praise. In Exodus 34, verse 14, it says, For you must not worship any other god, for the the Lord... Notice it's all capitals, that... All capitals is Jehovah God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Probably the most offensive, and I don't mean to be offensive, but for me it's personally offensive illustration that I can think of, of, sharing, of God sharing his glory, is the, only, the most offensive way I can think of it, is that I don't want to share my wife with you. And wives, I doubt you want to share your husband with somebody else. No, it's my wife. I don't want her affection to be spread out any other way besides just to me. I want her love just for me. I'm not willing to share it with you. So that's my threat to all of you, okay? I, I'm not sharing my wife with any of you. And I don't think that you would want that for your spouse either. You don't want to share your family with somebody else. That's my wife. You imagine that with God, God looking at you as individuals and looking at our church corporately and saying, your purpose is to give me glory, and I don't want to share that. In fact, it makes me physically sick to think of, of sharing my wife with somebody, so I don't, I don't dwell on that. Believe me, we're fine. But I could, um, you imagine God looking down at us and saying, I want, your, I want you to give me the glory I deserve, and I'm not willing to share it with, with anybody under any circumstances. It must be God-centered. Not only must it be God-centered with our glorifying God, it actually has to do with worshiping God. Now, I know that sounds really obvious, but we can worship a lot of various things in our life. We can be focused on many, many things and call it worship when it really becomes self-focused. But it must be focused upon worshiping God. And when we worship God, it's grounded in truth. The scripture says in John chapter 4, this is Jesus talking to to his disciples and says, The hour is coming, and now he's here. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's not spirit as and in just my feelings. Or if I feel it to be right, then it must be right. It goes straight back to what is biblical truth. What is right? What is wrong? It must be grounded in truth. First, And also, our worship must actually honor God. We honor God through our words of praise. The songs that we sang today, when they're focused upon God and not just vain words, are honoring to God. No matter what you sound like, because the Bible does talk about just making a joyful noise. Now, some of your joyful noises are not that interesting or not, not nice to listen to. But God finds it worthy of, of his glory and praise. It's words of praise, but also we can worship God not just on Sundays with, with a band and singing. Worship is also acts of praise or acts of obedience. When we do the things that God has called us to do, we do them in worship. And you know what's incredible? The scripture said earlier, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do, all to his glory, that means in the seemingly mundane things of life, you can turn around them and turn them into acts of worship to God. Let's make that really practical for just a few moments. There are some certain things around your house that you do not enjoy doing. My wife in our laundry, because uh, I must be my wife in the laundry, because, you know, it's not me, but I do walk through there occasionally. And she has a poster on the wall that says, in this house, we love a lot and we do laundry every day. And I think it's a constant reminder to the rest of the family that she does laundry every day. But you know, it's incredible, and I don't mean to make fun. Actually, I'm trying to be serious here. You can turn that into an act of worship to God. I'm loving my family. I'm caring for my family, the seemingly mundane things that you do around the house. When you get up and go to work tomorrow morning, you're not just going to go and get a paycheck. I'm doing this to honor and to support my family. I'm earning money so that I can help people in Vanuatu and other countries through faith, promise, giving to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You turn the seemingly mundane things of life into acts of worship and you honor God through them. So not only are we we are grounded in truth and we honor God, we also exalt. And exalt means to build up, to lift up Jesus Christ. Therefore, our to glorify God means that we are exalting Jesus Christ. Claim and calling him who he is. The Bible says that in heaven there's going to be a, a huge choir of people singing and praises to God. You know what's absolutely incredible about that is that here on earth, we get to start practicing a little bit. And I believe that's incredibly important that we sing praises and, and we sing to God. But in the book of Revelation, chapter number 5, verses 11 and 13, it says, Then I looked and heard around the throne, and the living creatures and elders, the, voices, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. I tell you what, that's a really run-on sentence, isn't it? Because you start naming off the wonderful things of Jesus Christ, and it continues on, And I heard every creature in heaven. So the first one was the angels singing. Now it's every creature, everyone in heaven singing. And on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. We worship here on earth is a little glimpse of what it will be like singing praises to God in heaven. And we should be doing that to lift him up, to exalt the name of Jesus, to constantly remind ourselves of what God has done by sending Jesus Christ to come to earth. I believe that glorifying God is the source of power for our local church. When we are focused upon him, it gives us power. In my house, we have Apple TV, and there's an Apple TV remote that is batteries dead. If you push it enough, eventually it might work. So literally you sit there, and for some reason you have to do that sort of action, and it makes it work better as well. And you push it, and eventually it will work. So you sit there and you, you push it, push it, push it, push it, push it. You know what I need to do? Which I will. I need to buy a new battery. I need to find a new source of power. The local church, Southwest Baptist Church, already has a source of power that is the, the God that we want to give glory to. And when we have the source of power, he works in us And through us. Something I failed to mention earlier. Is our principle for today. Is this. God has a powerful purpose. For our church. God has a powerful purpose. For our church. And we need to go back to the source. Of power. The second thing there. The purpose of local church is to build up. Believers. To build up and to grow. And to develop. Those who already know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We don't want to leave you where we found you. We want to help you to grow and to develop. And something I say all the time become who God created you to be. We don't want to leave you where we found you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to outline this really briefly. The second half of of verse number 9 through verse 11, it says this. Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Build up believers in what? What should we build people up in? What's our role as a local church? Is it just to make you feel good? I hope I genuinely hope that you feel good and you feel encouraged. But there's other times when you actually feel bad when you leave church. And that's not necessarily a bad thing either. If God's working in your heart and He's convicting you and wanting to change you and mold you, it doesn't always feel good. But in the hindsight, we look back, we go, thank you, God, for working in my heart. Thank you for making me uncomfortable. Thank you for making my sin recognizable before me. In that passage there, it says that we should, first of all, be teaching life with Christ. What does it look like to be with Jesus? It says we might live with him. It changes our outlook When we begin to think that every aspect of our life, we are not doing on our own. Every aspect of our church ministry, we're not doing on our own. We're doing it with Jesus Christ. Something absolutely incredible is: you get into the word of God and begin reading the word of God, you find it comes out. And it comes out in your conversation. You begin to think differently. As you begin reading the Bible, the, the illustrations of, of the Scripture comes to your mind. The passages and verses come to your mind just when you need them. God brings them to your mind. That is, I believe, living life with Him. The Holy Spirit does incredible things and brings life with Jesus Christ to our minds. But it's not only just a once-off. It continues on in the very end of verse number 11 and says, just as you are doing. You ever get, now don't, this is a rhetorical question, so don't go nodding your head, okay? You ever kind of get the feeling of, we've already talked about that once. Like we talked about that uh, several years ago. Or I already knew that. Good, Noah's nodding their head. That's good, thank you. You know, in church life, we can kind of go through the motions after a while. We go, well, yes, I covered that. I've already known that. So let's move on. Something absolutely incredible about being part of a local church is we have people here in our local church who are brand new believers in Jesus Christ. They're looking at things and things that are new that looking at and thinking, I've never seen that before. That's absolutely incredible. And others of us who have known Jesus Christ as our Savior for longer periods of time, we have the temptation to look at it and go, yeah, I already knew that. Rather than looking back on it and looking in fresh eyes and saying, this is incredible. Seeing what God is doing in us is an ongoing action. When we observe communion this morning, the reason why Jesus Christ has set up communion or the Lord's supper with his disciples and ultimately for you and I is because he knows human nature and he knows that we need to be constantly reminded about the work of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. Otherwise, we just go through the motions and when we hold the bread in our hand and the the little juice cup in our our hand. We hold it there. It's not just a, a quick little snack to keep you going. It is a visual and taste reminder of the body that was broken of jesus christ the blood that was shed of jesus christ and we need to be constantly reminded and in a similar way building up believers is not just a one i told you that already why don't you know it because if you're anything like me i need to be told and this is not an excuse this is just reality Again and again and again and again. And the incredible thing is we keep going back and saying, God, thank you for what you've done in our lives. And it turns us back to praise. We see the purpose of local church is to glorify God and to build up believers. That is why in building up believers, that's why we have Bible studies. That's why we on Sunday mornings, we have explore the Bible. That's why we open up the word of God every single week. That's why we, we have Bible studies through the week. We have life groups. We have, uh, we have the Bible Institute. We have youth groups. They're not just to fill our time, to make us feel like we've been busy. It is to build us up so that we can and be and do the things that God wants us to do, so we can connect and grow and serve together. But our third purpose is to reach the lost. And I believe if we simply focus upon the first two, we may feel really good about ourselves, but we're not fulfilling our purpose as a local church. We need to be constantly be thinking outwardly focused. That means when someone new comes into our church, that we welcome them in. We go out of our way to introduce ourselves. Our goal is to reach the lost. In first Peter chapter number two, verse nine. Peter, in the beginning of that chapter, begins talking about putting away the old life and putting on the new life in Jesus Christ. Why do we do that? One of the reasons is, found in verse number 9, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may, what? What may we do? Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light we need to proclaim the excellencies and we do that by first and foremost by seeing the need seeing the need of the community around us we live in very dark dark times when right is proclaimed as wrong and things that are wrong are proclaimed as right things that are immoral or claimed as normal and things that are totally Moral and upright are seen as weird. We live in a very, and, and this, you, know, you may be familiar with this term, bizarro world. Our world is very confused right now about what, we, what it is, but we need to be very open and sensitive. Not open and sensitive to embracing things that are wrong, but open and sensitive to seeing the need rather than just focusing upon ourselves. In 1973... There was a university study where these university students were taken into a room and given a lecture, and then with this study, it was a secret study. So they didn't know that they were being observed. And they were given this lecture, and then they were impromptu told, in five minutes' time, you need to go across campus, and you need to present this information that you've just been given to a, a, a group of people. So, of course, these university students took in the information, got up, and one by one began walking across campus to give this new information that had just been shared with. The incredible thing is, of course, being the study, what they did is they put a person about halfway across campus, laying there on the side of the pathway in obvious dire need, life-threatening need, calling out for help. What percentage of people do you think stopped to help? Because they had an important appointment in five, four, three minutes time that they had to give. Ten percent of the people stopped. Ten percent of the people stopped. Now, honestly, I was thinking about this myself. I don't know if I would have stopped because I'm busy. I have a speech to give in just a couple minutes time. And this is the incredible thing. It wasn't just any old university. They were seminary students. Seminary students are those who study the Word of God. And it was Princeton Seminary. Do you know what the lecture was on? The Good Samaritan. (laughs) How many of us would do the same thing? I'm too busy to stop and help somebody obviously in need. I'm too busy to stop and to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. And we, as a local church, as soon as we become too busy in doing ministry and doing the seemingly important, then we fail to see the need directly in front of us. I believe that God will not bless us with those needs any longer. So, therefore, now I, I don't like it when things go wrong. I like it when everything goes smooth. I like when the sound works. I like when the lights work. I like when everything works. But the other side of it is, who cares about any of those things if we're simply recognizing the need of what God has for us? We need to see the need, but also we don't just see the need. We need to move and act upon it and share the light, to share Jesus Christ. The passage continues on, proclaim the excellency of him, the excellencies of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verse number 6 one of my favorite passages to preach. Jesus is talking to his disciples nearing the end of his life right before he goes to the cross. And he says, he said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. It makes an exclusive statement. No one comes to the father except through me. We can't just help people practically without helping them spiritually. The only way they're going to come to know Christ is by hearing the light. Our points and our purpose for our local church and the fact that we love, in fact, I love my church. And you can say the same thing I I very much hope. That first and foremost, we must glorify God, we must build up believers, and also we must reach the lost. Because if you don't go deep, you can't go high. I have three questions for you this morning. And these are very simple questions. But it becomes practical because we often think of the church incorporately corporately, but we forget the church as individuals. Where do you fit in God's purpose for the church? Let's make it specific for Southwest Baptist Church. Where does God have you specifically fitting into His purpose and His plans? Moving on from there, the second question is, today, in what ways have you experienced God's power at work? Because oftentimes we think to ourselves, well, this went wrong or that went wrong or this was, went too long or whatever else, but what went right and what did you experience God's power at work in your life today? And the third is, what is God telling you to do? Or maybe what is God telling you not to do? I believe we must be sensitive to that and ready and willing to move forward when he calls us.